Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage. And no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Welcome to Bill Michaels Huddle on the air on this Thursday night. The 10th of December is, I can't believe we're into 14 weeks of the football season so far. As far as the Green Bay Packers go, knock on wood if you hear me, great. Uh, but they made it. I mean, uh, so far so good, and we didn't think we'd get this far regarding the uh, the NFL season, but we have. The Packers getting ready to take on the Detroit Lions over in Detroit this coming weekend. And joining us on the huddle tonight, by the way, we're presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Scott Grodsky, CBS 58. Scott, how you doing? I'm good, Bill. How are you doing? We are doing tremendous. Thank you. And uh, Lily Zhao from Fox 6 on the line with us tonight as well. Lily, how you doing? Hey, doing great, Bill. How are you? Awesome stuff. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this uh, team going back to last week. They get the win last week. They knock off the Philadelphia Eagles. Lily, let me start with you. Uh, the, the way the Packers played in that contest defensively, really only giving up. They gave up the special teams touchdown. They gave up one late TD, but really – I mean, it was like it was, it was like three points they gave up. You tell me, is this defense beginning to peak or come together, or are they just playing really poor competition? You know what? You're hoping it's, it's the former um, because, you know, they knew that coming in they were playing a not a great offense, and that was kind of the expected result. Like, you don't want to play a bad offense and not get any sacks, not get any takeaways, and it's trending in the right direction. I mean – you know, I was speaking with Adrian Amos a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, I would grade this defense a solid C because we're not where we want to be at the moment. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, getting takeaways, getting after the quarterback. And that's what happened because, you know, Zadarius Smith said post game that, you know, he and a couple of his teammates went up to Mike Pettin and said, you know, we're frustrated. We're not getting to the quarterback. Make it simple for us. Pettin did just unleashed his guys. And that was the result. Seven sacks on Carson Wentz, who you got to feel bad for. Um, but you know, you have to feel like this defense is peaking because these sacks are coming in bunches. These takeaways are finally getting there and you have to believe they're trending in the right direction. 
Scott, I'm going to go to you, and I'm going to ask you the same question to start it out. Are they starting to peak? Are they starting to come together? Or are they just playing subpar talent? Maybe he is. We'll we'll try back with Scott coming up here momentarily. Got me now? Lily. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Great. All right, sorry about that. Uh, wonders of 2020. Um, I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that the defense is not as bad as they were for the first six weeks in terms of forcing turnovers and getting sacks. Turnovers are something that – tend to come in bunches when they're actually playing well. Um, and so it, it sort of flipped a switch of, I think it was, what, three turnovers the first seven games, and then they've been they've been pretty reliable for getting about two a pop ever since then. As far as the sacks go, I mean, yeah, it's great that they got the pressure on the Eagles as much as they did. Everyone is getting pressure on the Eagles this year. It's why Carson Wentz doesn't have a job right now. It's why the offensive line for the Eagles is everything that the Packers' offensive line could have been when they went through all the injuries, except the Packers – handled it well so I, I don't know that I want to jump the gun into this is now a Super Bowl defense after playing Trubisky and uh, a very poor Eagles offense uh, but I do think that what what Lily mentioned and touched on of Sidarius going in and talking to Patton and getting them to simplify the defense is a step in the right direction you, you want to listen to the players when you have players on this team who are veterans and do know what they have to do to be where they want to be. And this defense is not going to win the Super Bowl for the Packers. It's going to have to go through the offense. But this defense can be one that forces mistakes. And that's all you need when you have this offense. So I think they're certainly trending in the right direction. Um, but am I ready to say after good games against the Eagles, the Bears, and possibly against the Lions this week that they're all set? No. You, you still have no idea if this defense can really stop a run first team. The Eagles got to the point where they were dropping back and you were able to get the pressure on. It's because, you know, no one's really scared of Jordan Howard running in his little visor and breaking off runs the way that Dalvin Cook was. There's a lot more fear that comes in when you're playing against uh, um, Kamara and the Saints or you're playing against the Seahawks offense that can do both sides of things. And we saw in the playoff game, second half last year, there's three more minutes on that clock and the Packers off their defense was not catching Russell Wilson. There, there are a lot more better teams out there that still scare me with the Packers defense, but at least it, it, it is a step in the right direction that they're forcing turnovers and they aren't playing down to competition against bad offenses. Lily coming into this contest, the, the other than Adrian Peterson, who's always ran well against the Packers, the, they've got weapons to throw to, but the I, I started going through the statistics and I looked at this and I'm like, wait a minute. The Packers are ranked 15th in defense. That's points per game. Total defense is 11th. And I'm, I've always said if they're just around the top 10 with the offense they have, they're going to be a, a Super Bowl caliber team. And then I look and their pass defense is also 11th. I, do, do you I, – I, other than Detroit being some kind of a really weird vortex of close games and games in which the Packers have to have a flurry of comebacks to win, uh, does this game at all concern you with what Matt, Matthew Stafford has to work with and what he can do? Not really. And that's not, it's nothing against Matthew Stafford. It's just, you know, we know this team is banged up. Kenny, Kenny Galladay, you know, we don't know if he's going to play or not. Probably not. Um, but it's just, these guys are banged up and it's just who he has available to play. And I know Adrian Peterson's always going to be a threat, even though he's been in the league for a long, long time. And the Packers are familiar with him, but you know, if this is a game where the Packers don't get in their own way, I don't think it's a game of concern. And yes, I know it's a divisional opponent. Yes. I know they're going to be on the road, uh, playing Matthew Stafford, who, you know, they made a, a nice comeback against Chicago last week. And it's always a threat playing Matthew Stafford. We know Aaron Rodgers is a huge fan of his, but 
you know, if the Packers are playing the way they are capable of playing on offense and just playing complimentary defense, I just don't see how this should be a game that we quote unquote have to truly worry about, but then crazier things have happened, right? Like they destroyed the, the Vikings in week one and then the Vikings just turn around and just dominate them in the run game. So you can never say with certainty, it's going to be easy. But again, I think if the Packers just play to the ability that they can play with, don't get in their own way. It should be a, a, a W for them on Sunday. Scott, uh, the, the change of a head coach, uh, I'm not going to say it was pretty because it was an ugly way to win, waiting on Mitch Trubisky to fumble a football deep in his own territory for them to convert and, and ultimately take the lead in that ball game. But uh, they get a, a new head coach, an interim head coach in Daryl Bevel, a guy everybody likes, and suddenly they find just some kind of a win out of, out, of, out of nowhere. Do you get a little bit of a hesitation because this team might just be flying a little bit higher than they maybe they, they should be right now? Yeah, I think that the word that you've heard the entire year with the Packers is juice. And that's the only way that the Lions win this game is if the Packers come out flat and the Lions come out fired up under their new coach and after their uh, comeback win against Trubisky. And technically, they're still in the playoff hunt because they're only a game out of the wild card. But I mean, on paper, whether Galladay and some of the other weapons are hurt or not, this is the Lions. It's the same Lions team that we've seen for a decade, give or take a couple of new faces, whether it's a new coach, a new coordinator, a new whatever. The Lions are the Lions. The Packers should always beat the Lions. Until something drastically changes with that organization, you have to have the Packers as big favorites unless they come out flat. And this is not a team on paper that should give Green Bay a lot of problems. Um, they don't have a ton of great weapons at, at uh, as receiving threats, although – Hawkinson couldn't be an issue from the, for the linebackers, the, the tight end Hawkinson for the Lions. But the biggest problem for any Packers team starts with a run defense. And I'm sorry, I, I get Adrian Peterson has done well against the Packers historically. You're not worried about Adrian Peterson in the year 2020. And you're certainly not worried about on Johnson or DeAndre Swift yet. Um, it, uh, it is a team that Green Bay should beat regardless of any coaching boost. But that coaching boost and that juice, that energy – is the only way that I think this could go sideways. Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. I've got Lily's out from Fox 6. Scott Grodsky from CBS 58 on the line with us tonight is the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good flavors of cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, and strawberry flavors. Go to BudLight.com. Stick around. We're going to talk about one other factor in this game that could propel the Detroit Lions, and we'll talk about that coming up next on the Bill Michaels Huddle. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Certainly they're a team that's right in the thick of this thing right now. They're a game back within the wild card, and you just watch the effort and you see the mentality that they displayed versus the Bears when it wasn't looking great for them. And the fact that they battled back on the road and won a a big football game, I think that tells you all that you need to know. I mean, we know we're going to have our hands full, that we're going to get their best shot. Those are the words of Matt LaFleur talking about the Detroit Lions coming up this Sunday afternoon over at Ford Field. In Detroit, as the Packers, they're looking to go 10-3, and three, get their 10th win of the season. And if it all falls right, then lock up the NFC North, lock up the playoff spot, and uh, we'll see if that actually happens. Joining us, Lily Zal from Fox 6, Scott Grodsky, CBS 58, uh, on the line tonight and on the panel. Uh, joining us this evening for the Bill Michael Suttle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Um, Scott, I'll start with you in this thing. The one thing that I think adds a little bit of a different aspect of this game is the fact that 
they are still, they being the Lions, still in the hunt, believe it or not, uh, for a playoff spot. Does that, you know, coming off of a win, changing a head coach, getting a little bit of a juice, they're sitting at 5-7, and seven, they're behind Washington and San Francisco, and they're only a game behind Minnesota. Does does just because of that, you know you're going to get their best shot tomorrow because this is kind of do or die for them, right? I went through a long dissertation. <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> let's go to let's go to Lily. Lily, I'll ask you the same question. This is kind of a do or die for them, right? I mean, it really is because you know if you're looking at the remainder of their schedule, they're at the Titans. They play the Bucks and the Vikings, so it's not going to be an easy slate. But you have to think, okay, hey, if we can beat the Packers at home with just how well the Packers are playing, that's going to give us some you know some juice down the road when we have three very tough opponents to finish out the regular season. So you have to believe they want to win this game because, you know, the more they can stack these successes, as these coaches love to say, that's just going to help them overall as a team. But as the Packers do is just come out, and like Scott said, you don't want to start out flat, impose your will, just be the better team in that first half and throughout the second half as well. And just, you know, impose your will, all gas, no breaks from Matt LaFleur and just say, hey, we're the class of the NFC North. That's how it is. And you don't want to give the Lions any sort of hope that they can win the game. But to your point, though, Bill, yeah, this is going to be a make-or-break game for them. And you know they're going to be coming out juiced, especially because they're going to be playing at home. They're an inspired team. They're playing at home. They've got some playoff implications. But they're not playing Mitch Trubisky, Scott. They're playing Aaron Rodgers, who seems to be playing at the absolute peak of his game. Maybe one of the best seasons, if not the best season of his career. I know he talks a lot about different things this week, about form and about you know, ball uh, footing and how he throws the ball and accuracy. And there's been a lot of praise. Do you see a, a difference in play of Aaron Rodgers? And maybe it's just so much so as just saying, Hey, they just changed offensive schemes, but how much no, of a difference do you notice in Aaron Rodgers this season? Well, I, I think you see a familiarity in a second year offense. Sorry about the, uh, the phone line. It's the- no, it's okay. 2020 brutal. Worst part is I don't get to be with you eating just fine dining. Um, that's that's mm-hmm. always the dream for the Hawks, right. but uh, it is what it is. Uh, but no, for for Rogers, I think you've seen there's a lot more familiarity in the system with Lafleur, and I don't just mean that with Rogers. That also applies to all the receivers and all the threats that he has. There are players running much better routes. There are players getting much more open. The calls are have gotten much faster. There's still a few more of those timeout with one second on the play clock than you'd like, but it's been much better than last year. Everything has been crisper, and to say that the, the Jordan Love pick fired up Rodgers is a little redundant at this point because everyone knows that's kind of how he operates. He does, does the Michael Jordan last dance, and I took that personally type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that certainly has helped as well, but every aspect of the offense looks crisper. It's not just Rodgers, and I think there's, there's no reason to think that doesn't continue against the Lions and uh, going to, to what you had said earlier and the the soundbite that you picked from uh, from Matt LaFleur coming in. And that's always my favorite part of the Matt LaFleur press conferences. It doesn't matter what team the Packers are playing. They are playing the best team that has ever lived and the best team that ever will live. And they are hungry and they are right in the thick of it. And it's you hear them talk about Jake Luton and Jaguars like he is the next like like he is the next Aaron Rodgers. And then, you know, he's benched a week later for Mike Clement. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to read too much into any of the, yeah, the Lions are really that good. They're not. They're, they're the Lions. I uh, I look at the Lions as a team that's just desperate enough to come out and give them their all. I just think, Lily, that I don't think the Packers are going to run roughshod over them. I, honestly, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think 
that, yes, they are a little bit banged up. The Lions are. Packers are a little bit banged up as well. But I, I think the Packers offensively is just rolling. But this, this Lions team impressed me in the first two series, scoring on both of them touchdowns. It wasn't until Matthew Stafford and the Shannon Sullivan pick going back to week two that really changed the tide of that game. I thought the Lions had something going on, and they, maybe they found a little bit of confidence in that game, maybe just forward, you know, kind of forward thinking into this game. Do you think it's going to be a shootout? It could always be. You know, I, I feel like the, the Lions are going to try to run it down the Packers' throat because I'm sure they saw what the Vikings did with Dalvin Cook and, you know, Kirk's cousin threw thir- 13 or 14 times in that game. But, you know, it could be because it's you, you never know with Matthew Stafford. I mean, he has the arm. He has the talent. He could always make this a shootout. And I, I guess it's – I don't know if it's better than to get run over by the Lions, which, again, it's not like they have the talent at running back like the Vikings do, but – it very well could be, and it's it's going to come down to if that's the case. It's can this Packers defense make uh, get a turnover, and and this defense is going to have to if it comes down to that situation. But you have to believe this Packers team doesn't want it to get to that point because again, they want to prove that they're the best in the NFC North, and they just don't want where they let the Lions hang around and hang around. And hey, it's a shootout in the fourth quarter, and then maybe the Lions get the ball in the last possession, and they lose. That's that's not what they want to have happen, and. Uh, we'll see, but this very well could be a shootout, but you ho- you have to hope for the Packers' sake that they shut that down quickly. I uh, I, I look at the, the, the way the team is structured with leadership, Scott, and we go back to what Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark talked about in going to Mike Pettin. Uh, I don't want to say that the scheme has been the problem because then that just alleviates way too many of the players from actually making tackles when they do have the ability to do so. But do you think the simplification of the defense is something that will then – I don't want to say go back to last year when they were so aggressive at getting into quarterbacks and, and basically sandwich-sacking the Smith brothers, sandwich-sacking every quarterback they came across. But do you think this kind of less is more, so to speak, in the defense? Yeah, and I think that the way you just phrased it is about perfect. I, I, I think Mike Pettin, like it happens a lot with quarterbacks, he took too much of the heat when they were bad – and maybe a little bit too much of the credit for the change in scheme when they're better. The reality is some of the players individually are playing better um, as a whole. But the scheme, any anytime you stop putting Preston Smith in coverage, is not going to be a bad thing. Uh, the simplifying the scheme has has certainly helped with the Packers, and it's allowed the guys who are elite at one thing instead of well-rounded uh, as players to do the one thing and to do what they were paid to do and what they were really brought in here to do. And it can get to a point where you're out thinking yourself and outsmarting yourself to try to do different things to, to confuse the offenses when in reality you brought Preston Smith in to go after the quarterback. Let him go after the quarterback. I like the uh, the aggressiveness that they want, Lily. Um, you know, obviously last week I saw finally Christian Kirksey defending passes going sideline to sideline. But I got to tell you, Kamal Martin every week impresses me a little bit more, and especially early in that game. He had one where he came up the gut, overran the play, missed the tackle. The very next series, same play, nailed him in the backfield. It, Kamal Martin, to me, may end up solidifying the middle of this defense, if at all possible, with Christian Kirksey in coverage. How much better do you think this defense gets if you get a little more of the, the, the pass rush up front and then you get a guy like Kamal Martin who really begins to come of age right before our eyes, like Rashawn Gary? It's going to be huge because, you know, I think what was kind of missing on that defense, though, in the middle is speed, and this is what Kamal has. And it's just a bummer that he got, you know, injured in training camp and wasn't wasn't able to play early on. But finally getting him back and seeing 
what this guy brought or is, is bringing to this defense, especially in the middle, it is fantastic to see. And it's, that's why I mean, it's, you know, this defense is, like Scott said, it's not going to win you a championship, but it's trending in the right direction. And it helps to have guys like a Kamal Martin there um, really doing his job. And he's a, only a rookie. So, you know, the, his ceiling is still super high, but it's just encouraging to see that there are guys on this defense that are flying to the football. They're tackling the guys with the football, which is what you want from this Packers defense. Um, and it's looking a lot better, but, you know, even Rashawn Gary is, is playing a lot better as of late as well. But if they just have that speed, they can get after the quarterback. I mean, it's it's a whole different ball game for this defense. And I think, uh, Lily, also, Bill, if I go can, ahead, if Scott, I can jump in. I, I think that uh, one thing that doesn't get talked about a ton because when you're talking about a draft class, you're usually starting with you know everyone was upset Rashawn Gary didn't get on the field immediately last year. He's playing much better now, but that's not the point. And, and Jordan Love, there's the first round pick who's been inactive for every game, obviously. You have to give Brian Rudikins a lot of credit for the last two drafts. You have fifth-round picks in Kingsley, Kiki, and Kamal Martin, who are both not only playing for the defense, playing significant snaps, but playing very well and at a level that most fifth-rounders never get to, let alone as a rookie and as a a second-year player who was banged up a little bit for the first. So I, I think they found two diamonds in the rough there, and those are the kind of draft picks that win you championships. The superstars are great to have. You want to have them, obviously. But when you look at the teams that have consistent success, the Seahawks when they had their five-year span, the Patriots when they had their 10-year span or so, you find those guys on the second or third day who maybe they aren't going to be Hall of Famers or Pro Bowlers, but they are going to be very good, very consistent, very reliable additions to your team. And, and that's what the Packers have done in the fifth on the past few years. So, Scott, I'll come back to you. I'll ask you this, and, and we'll follow up uh, with, with Lily the exact same question. Looking at this team, the way they've played, sitting here uh, efforting towards their 10th win of the season, Carolina on the docket, Tennessee on the docket, Chicago on the docket, is this team, looking at the rest of the NFC, is this a legitimate, in many people's minds, Super Bowl contender, or is this just a get-to-an-NFC championship game and then that team that can run the ball against you is going to knock you out? It's a Super Bowl contender. It's a Super Bowl contender with flaws. It's not It's not the 16-0 Patriots from 10 years ago that everyone knew was going to make the Super Bowl and everyone knew was going to win, even though they didn't. But it's not, a, it's not a perfect team. There's certainly the book out on them of how to beat them. But this team, and since Matt LaFleur is here, the team is, what, 25-6 and six in the regular season? It was one thing last year when they were 13-3 and three and everyone talks about how it's the worst 13-3 and three team ever. At some point, you got to listen to the record and see that this is a very good team. This is a very well-rounded team, and it is 100% a team that is a real threat in the NFC uh, playoffs. And frankly, there isn't a team in the NFC that doesn't have some sort of a weakness. The Saints are a very good team. They're probably the favorites right now. Their quarterback also hasn't played in three weeks, and you don't know what you're getting back from. Them. I don't think anyone would call them the favorites if Taysom Hill is the starter throughout the postseason. Seattle's defense? is awful, especially against the past this year. And those are your, your two biggest competitions as far as the top of the NFC in most people's opinion. So I, I don't see how you could not consider the Packers to be a serious contender to make the Super Bowl. Um, it, Lily, it's one go thing ahead. you compare them to the Chiefs and the Steelers a little bit. Oh, the Steelers looks very human in their last game. But uh, I mean, the, the Chiefs, to me, are on a different level than everyone else in the NFL. But the Packers are right there on the, on the second one. Lily, follow up. Do you think this is a legitimate Super Bowl contending team? I do, and um, it's it's when you look at this team from last year, who were you know crazily enough one game away from playing in the Super Bowl, 
it was a team where it was, okay, this offense isn't quite there yet, but they're just making enough plays to win games. Um, but I feel like last year it was the teams that were expected to beat the Packers beat the Packers in the postseason. That's exactly what happened. I just feel like looking at this team now, it's the games that they've lost. Yes, you know, some of them have been bigger losses than uh, the other ones, but it's just I feel like they've gotten in their own way. You know, they've shot themselves in the foot versus, you know, you know Rodgers doesn't throw that pick six. Who knows where that game might be? It's just they've gotten in their own way and they're in a couple of their losses there. And I believe that, you know, if the Packers are playing the football that they are capable of playing, they can play against anybody. And I do believe that if you're looking at the NFC, yeah, you know, the Bucks have a really good defense that have ch- thoroughly challenged them. And, you know, I, I do feel like if they play the Saints again, they can win that game. So if you're looking at the NFC as a whole, it's like, yeah, the Bucks might be, might be the most challenging defense they would potentially face. And you're talking about the Rams. Yeah, I still think that's a good matchup for the Packers. The Giants are the Giants. You have the Seahawks, which, you know, like Scott alluded to, their defense is not good. And then if the Vikings sneak in, it's, you know, we'll see how that changes with Dalvin Cook. But if you're looking at the NFC as a whole, I, I think the Packers have a great shot of making it to the Super Bowl if they just play the way they are supposed to play it, don't shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I, I would agree if uh, the turnovers don't happen. I mean, you just look at that loss to Indianapolis. They turned the ball over three times and still were able to tie that game, and it took another turnover for them to ultimately lose it. And then obviously the game down there against Tampa Bay. Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good, 100 calories, uh, naturally carbonated, a unique f- uh, five-step filtration process that ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste over after only 100 calories. Again, go to BudLight.com. Lily's Al Scott Grimes. We've got more of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up next. Wisconsin wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. That's what I'm trying to instill in these guys. Don't measure it. So it you know helps it helps you from avoiding the emotions that you can you know get caught up in the game. It's just play the next play. Let's go. Let's have a great time doing it. And then at the end, like that's, you know, when that clock hits zero, 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 that's the time that you look up there and see, you know, how the game went. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what we're trying to get here. Daryl Bevel, the interim head coach for the Detroit Lions, trying to uh, change the mindset there in Detroit, trying to get them. Uh, losing breeds losing, man. And when you lose for a long period of time, and you it just kind of gets uh, inbred within your organization. Sometimes you need to blow everybody out just because. But, uh, Daryl Bell just trying to get uh, a different mindset there right now. Welcome back to the program. It's Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Lily's Al from Fox 6, Scott Grodsky from CBS 58, both on board tonight. And, uh, Scott, I'll start with you this time. Brett Favre calls Aaron Rodgers the greatest of all time. Rodgers obviously has a good reaction to that. They have a friendship. There's a reason maybe why he said that. But would you look at Aaron Rodgers as the greatest of all time? Because most people would look at Brady. Most people would look at Bart Starr because of the rings, the championships and such. Does does rings not divide you, or is it something that Aaron Rodgers is doing that no other quarterback can do? Uh, this is where I don't like the whole GOAT conversation that we have to have for everything. Right? Because how, do you, how do you quantify it? Um, do you quantify it as best player? Do you quantify it as, as most rings, championships, whatever? I, I guess, to me, of players who I have seen in my life, I guess I would say that Brady has to be the GOAT because of the rings, but Rodgers is the best player I've seen play the position. He has the most talent. He has the ability to to make things happen that no one else can or, frankly, should be able to make happen. 
maybe in 15 years that answer changes with Patrick Mahomes the way he's going right now. It's way too early to call him that. Um, but to me, Rodgers is the best quarterback. Brady is the best winner. Uh, and a lot of that you can also attribute to coaching, and you can look to how Belichick has the Patriots. They're not good this year, but they're still in it. And obviously you see what Mike McCarthy is doing in Dallas, and uh, that solidifies a little further to me that just in terms of talent and what he's able to do with the football, Rodgers is the best in that way of looking at it. Uh, what do you think, Lily? Is he the best, uh, or is there a lot there with him? You know, I do agree with Scott, though. You know, I do agree that when you're talking about the rings, obviously Tom Brady is is number one. You know, Tom Brady, if you're looking at, you know, the teams that he has, the coaches, yeah, of course, he's going to be number one. He's won a bajillion Super Bowls. But in terms of just being a better athlete, the better quarterback athlete with the arm strength, the angles of the throws, the way he's able to get out of the pocket, just his vision, I mean, that's Aaron Rodgers is, is the best. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, we can nitpick kind of what the greatest of all time means, but there's just different tiers to it as like Scott alluded to. Yeah, Tom Brady is the best at winning those Super Bowls, but that doesn't mean that that diminishes what Aaron Rodgers does. And yes, I know it's all about rings these days, but you know, if you're looking at the greatest athlete, I do think that's Aaron Rodgers. I uh, want to get back into the MVP talk uh, because today – I was reading on fan side, they came out with their rankings, and I thought, okay, Russell Wilson's it. Russell Wilson's not in the top five in many of these anymore. So, Lily, I'll go back to you. They got Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, five and four. Then it's uh, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. Do you see it that way, or do you, would you keep Russell Wilson in there just because of what he has to work with? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I would probably keep it the way it is just because of how they he's played the last month or so. But, you know, that doesn't mean that this next month of games, if he doesn't play like the Russell Wilson that we know he is, that he can't be back in that conversation. But I still think that's a pretty strong list that they currently have. And, you know, I know everyone's talking about the Mahomes versus the Rodgers and who's most deserving because their stats are very similar. Um, but again, I think it's, it, it's, Mahomes does have more weapons. I do feel like if Rodgers isn't there, I mean, we're not getting the plays, no offense to Tim Boyle, that we're going to get from Aaron Rodgers. So I do believe that, yes, Mahomes is playing at an MVP-type level, but I do think that Rodgers is more valuable to his team, which is what the award is called, um, than Mahomes is at this point. And again, Mahomes has many, many more years to win it. I think Rodgers is on a different level this season. We've all seen it. So I think that, you know, he has a great case this year. And, you know, I'm going to be a proponent and say, I hope he wins. And I know his teammates are as well. But back to your question about Russell Wilson, I like the list as it is now, but it doesn't mean he won't be back in it in a couple of weeks. I see a lot of that I agree with. I, I, I believe that he is the most valuable to his team, not only playing well, but the most valuable to his team. Scott, how do you see it? Well, I, for the Russell Wilson thing, I just I don't know that Delvin Cook needs to be up there at this point, but it's it's frankly outside of the top two right now. It's irrelevant. Roethlisberger, if they would have gone undefeated, could have had a, a chance at something. But it, it's going to be Mahomes and Rodgers at the end of the day, and it's a really you can look at it either way. They are both great quarterbacks. They are both having great seasons, and the thing that you, you hear most from Packers fans wanting Rodgers is about the supporting cast for the Chiefs and it's not wrong the Chiefs do have a phenomenal supporting cast Rodgers is also throwing to a receiver who probably should win offensive player of the year too 
and he has a running back in Aaron Jones, who we all know what he can do. So it's not it, it's not as poor of a situation around Rodgers as I think people sometimes want to make that out to be. Uh, I think ultimately Rodgers right now probably should win the award. Mahomes probably would because of the record. Uh, but it's so, some years you have MVP races where you have to give it to someone because it's an award. In this case, there's two MVPs, and there's really not a wrong answer. Both of them deserve to win the MVP. Let's do this. We'll step away on that note, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about one other player's value at this point, and somebody had brought it up that uh, maybe he hasn't done enough to actually want more value. We'll talk about that when we come back. Lily's out from Fox 6. Scott Scott Grodsky from CBS 58. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. We've got more coming up next. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Devontae Ford Field has been kind of a tricky place to play. The wins you've had, a lot of them have been close. And what is it about that building or that opponent or the trip to Michigan that you think has led to any of that? I don't I have no idea. I don't know. It's like uh, it might be in the in the AC that they got in there. They might be putting something in the AC, like a little bit like some drowsy shit or something. Because I don't I don't know why, but every seems I mean proves true every year since like 2015. We haven't done well in the first half, and we got to come out and try to save our buzz by playing as hard as possible in the second half. Those are the words of Devontae Adams talking about kind of the the tough spot to play in. That is Ford Field over there in Detroit. The Lions trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. In the meantime, the Packers can clinch a playoff spot if indeed they win. And then there's either an Arizona loss, a, a Rams loss, a Seattle win or a tie, and that's probably the most likely because they play the Jets, uh, an Arizona loss or a Green Bay loss or a Green Bay tie, I should say, and a Rams loss and an Arizona tie or a Green Bay tie and a Seattle win and an Arizona tie. So if you follow me with uh, – we'll have a test later on in the program, but nevertheless, there you have it. Uh, meantime, Lily's out for Fox 6, Scott Grodsky from CBS 58, all joining me tonight on the panel. Uh, Aaron Jones, I was watching earlier today uh, on the NFL Network, and they were talking about value coming out of this season, and they started talking about Aaron Jones. Only two 100-yard rushing games so far this season. And they said, well, you know he wants to get paid, but only two 100-yard rushing games, one of them back in week two and then obviously last week, and in both of those performance uh, performances, he ripped off a 75-yard-plus run to get over 100. So uh, I'll start with you, Scott, on this one. Aaron Jones has done a lot this season, but with only two 100-yard rushing games, which seems to be the standard for running backs as far as your value goes, how valuable do you think he's going to be in the open market? I think he's a valuable player. I think he's a really good running back. I think that he is very unlucky that he is playing in the decade where running back does not matter the way that it used to. Uh, I think that he, the way the Packers use him is not as that Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry guy who gets the ball 30 times. Those are the ones who are still getting paid right now, or Christian McCaffrey on that level. For a guy who's going to get the ball 15 to 20 touches, I would love to see him back in Green Bay but it would, it would need to be at a discount. And you saw when he's out, Jamal Williams is fine. A.J. Dillon before the, the COVID was fine. It's, uh, it is a really hard position to get paid at right now, and that's the unfortunate truth for Aaron Jones, who is a great player, a great running back, a top-ten running back in the NFL. 
it just in the NFL right now, if you're the ninth best running back in the league versus the twentieth, really what matters is your offensive line and how the the game plan is set around you. Lily, what do you think his value uh, is or will be? Will it be higher or lower or about uh, where you think it would be on the open market? I think it's going to be about where we think it's going to be on the open market. But, you know, I feel like Aaron Jones is a complete back in that, you know, again, he's not getting those 30 touches a game because they're utilizing him in different ways. You know, he's great in the passing game. He's improved much more in that aspect. He's great in pass protection. So he's an all-around back. It's just he's not getting – 30 touches a game because they have other guys that can get those touches. And that's just how Matt LaFleur rolls. Like he's not going to roll with just one running back. It's just how this offense is. And obviously his stats aren't going to be popping off the sheets when, you know, if they're going to be wanting to throw a bunch, uh, you know, the, the rushing stats aren't going to be at a hundred plus every game, but it doesn't mean he's not a good running back, but I, you know, I do agree. He's not going to be getting, he's not going to be getting Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry money, but you know, he's still very valuable to this team. Um, and that's the tough decision. It's, you know, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Do I think both will be back? Sadly, no. But, you know, I, I do think Aaron Jones is still a very valuable part of this offense, of this team, and Aaron Rodgers loves him. So I think it'd be, it would behoove the Packers to obviously keep him because he is a valuable player, and he can do a lot more than just run the football in a traditional sense. That's – see, he's – I don't think it's just a traditional of 100 yards plus anymore to be able to judge – a running back. I think it's picking up the blitz. I think it's going out and catching passes. I think it's blocking downfield as well. Uh, decoy work, all the stuff that you we're, we are now giving Aaron Jones credit for. And, and that leads me to the next question, uh, Scott. You know, Aaron Jones, really solid runner. All of a sudden, A.J. Dillon is now coming back off the COVID list. Does he, they got to find out what they've got in him if they're going to think at all about jettisoning, uh, you know, Aaron Jones and saying good riddance to Aaron Jones next year if his price tag's just going to be too high and they can't come to an agreement, right? A little bit. You'd like to see what you have to some extent, but at the same time, it's December and you want to be hitting your stride going into the playoffs at the right time. I don't, I don't think there will be any mandate to have a heavy, A.J. Dillon game unless you get to the point where in week 17 the game doesn't matter. I, I, don't, I don't think the Packers can afford to be playing three-dimensional chess right now when they need to just be focused on this season, if that makes sense. No, I, I completely get it. Uh, but, you know, Lily, do you see A.J. Dillon at all getting more of a look just to, just to find out what you got after the guy's coming back from COVID, obviously? I do think he's going to be playing more just because we're going to be playing in cold weather games and maybe short yarded situations, which I know all the fans want to see him in the third and one situation is just pound the rock up the middle and get that first down. Do I think he's going to be getting more carries than we saw him getting? I don't think so. Um, just again, because you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, you have your two top guys. It's, you know, again, if it's in a situation late in the game, they might not need these guys and they want to see what they have in AJ, of course, but do I think he's going to get more carries? I don't think so. Uh, but again, in these cold weather games, if God forbid one of these guys gets hurt, then obviously we'll see more of AJ. But I, I don't believe that we're going to see a heavier workload for him in the sense that we saw earlier in the year. Corey Lindsley so gets really good go ahead. to see him see him back in general and to see because it was right. it was a long five six weeks that he's been on the COVID list, so it, it was very good just to see that he's back at practice. 
Another guy that may or may not be back, Corey Lindsley, voted by the team as the uh, Walter Payton Award. Uh, you know, um, he, he's up for that award, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, the offensive line has been stellar. Elkin Jenkins is just phenomenal. His stock has risen dramatically. Dramatically, Lucas Patrick has come in and played extremely well. John Runyon, are, offensive line-wise, Scott, are they just set for the next three to five years? I think they are in part because they know that you never are totally set, and they keep drafting guys. And Sometimes the Jason Spriggs of the world don't work out, but this is why you draft the Jason Spriggs and why you keep taking chances so that when you find an Elton Jenkins, you got it, and you're set for a while. And when there is an injury, there is a guy like John Runyon who is ready to come in. Who It's like I said uh, back in the first hour of the show with the Eagles. The Eagles are a the Packers. The Eagles had really bad injuries all fine, including walking it of uh, Brandon Brooks, and they didn't recover. And Carson Wentz got sacked 15 times in the season, got benched for a rookie, even though he has, I think, three years left on a huge deal. That's what could happen if you don't take care of the offensive line. The Packers have continued to invest in it, both in draft picks and even guys like Ricky Wagner off free agency. And so they were able to, to be okay when they're and really half the offensive line has been injured at times, and they haven't skipped a beat. And it's been really incredible drafting and player development that has led to that. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, and uh, after the top of the hour, we're going to come back. Still talk a lot of Packers, still talk a lot of Lions, and we'll get into the rest of the NFL as we begin to make our picks. You have one game on the docket coming up tonight. The Patriots at 6-6, hanging on to some playoff hopes on the road, and they are taking on the L.A. Rams, who are 8-4. Remember, if the Rams should by chance lose this game and the Packers win on Sunday, the Packers uh, regardless of what happens in any of the other games, the Packers are also automatically into the postseason. But when we come back, has there been a miscalculation? Think about that. Has there been a miscalculation? We'll talk about that. Start out there when we come back. And then after that, we'll get into the rest of the Packers and Lions matchup. A whole lot more. Lily's Al, Fox 6, Scott Grodsky, CBS 58. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We've got another hour yet to go right after this. Listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Hour number 
two, and we are glad you are with us tonight on this Thursday night, the night before the Great White Death begins to overtake the state of Wisconsin and well beyond its borders. We are glad you are here. Packers getting ready to take on the Detroit Lions this weekend over at Ford Field. I'm Bill Michaels. Lily's out from Fox 6 alongside Scott Grodsky from CBS 58 here on the panel tonight as well. And when I went to the top of the hour break, I had talked about a Packers miscalculation, or at least a Packers fans miscalculation. So I'm going to ask the question, Lily, I'll start with you. When you look at the rankings for the Packers offensively, are number one in points per game, number two in total offense, number eight in rushing offense, number five in passing offense, number four in third down efficiency, number two in red zone, and number three, the third best offense in not giving the ball away. Did we miscalculate when we said this team needed another weapon? I think we all did. I don't know if hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I don't think yeah. any of us, well, maybe a few of us, and a lot of them are on the Packers team and the head coach Matt LaFleur, but us on the outside, I just don't think anyone thought it would. this offense would gel literally in week one. Um, and I know it's COVID, there weren't fans at U.S. Bank Stadium, whatever but i honestly didn't think this team was going to gel so quickly but then the way that they've continued to gel like it wasn't just oh they were good for week one and they trailed off it's like they've been good since week one offensively um but they the way that lafleur has gotten all his weapons in the game and he's made guys like an alan alan lazard you know the number two on this team he's scheming guys open he's getting tight ends receivers everybody open i mean yeah, I definitely miscalculated where this offense would be, and I guess that's better than saying, oh, we expected them to be discombobulated, and they are. So it's not a Scott? bad miscalculation because this team is good. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I truly didn't think they would be, you know, rolling like they are, but happy to see it because this is kind of the vision that Matt LaFleur had, and it really came to fruition week one. Scott, you think they uh, we miscalculated? I don't know. I, I think it's sort of a tough question to answer because are they better than we thought they would be without a second receiver? Yes. But can you still be better than what they are now? Absolutely. And I think that what hurts to look at is the receivers who are taken around that Jordan Love area when you see what Jefferson has done in Minnesota, what T. Higgins has done as a rookie in Cincinnati, Brandon Ayuk with the 49ers. All those guys were around that between 20 and 35, 40 pick, Jalen Rager. Would the team be better with those guys? Yeah, I still think they would be. I, I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling has a lot of potential, and he has gotten open quite a bit. He's made some big plays. He's also made some big drops. Are those drops that Jeff Justin Jefferson makes? Are those drops that Brandon Ayuk makes? I don't know. And if they're not, the team's that much better. So I, I still think that, on for a second receiving option or a third receiving option if you want to call Lazard number two, which that I do think was a miscalculation. I think Lazard has been playing much better than But it goes back to what I said last time I was on the show with you. I think that right now, other than you know Rodgers, Adams, and Jones, one of the biggest weapons that the Packers have is Matt LaFleur. And the game planning that he has done and the scheming that he has done and the misdirection of similar looks where it's one subtle change changes everything in the play has elevated this offense to a level that frankly you could not have imagined at the start of the year so they are they are better than we gave them credit for at the start of the year but that doesn't mean they would be even a notch higher if they still added a receiver i guess my argument lily for the fact that i because i i hate to say that i i i hate to admit i'm wrong and to this point i could probably say i'm wrong but 
I will say, when they get down a couple of scores and suddenly the play calling changes and they have to throw the ball more and they have to really score quick, the ability to do so, go back to that Tampa Bay game, if they're down in the postseason by a couple of scores in the fourth quarter with, say, seven, eight minutes to go, do they have enough weapons at that point then to overcome not having the extra weapon that they could have picked up uh, in the offseason? I mean, you can certainly hope so because this is the team they got, right? And I know Tavon right. Austin was added, and you have to hope maybe he could help right. in that situation. But looking at this team, it's, yeah, in those losses, they were able you – know, they, they've had lulls in that second, third quarter. They have lulls where they can't score, and they just cannot do it. And that's, you know, it's they've had a lead, couldn't score, just had to hold off teams. And obviously you don't want that to be the, the formula in the postseason because, again, you're going to be playing a lot better competition – with offenses that can score. And so if you can't keep up with it and you suddenly get into a lull, then it's you're going home. So you you certainly hope, have to hope they do because no one else is coming in. Um, and maybe Tavon Austin will be that solution for them. But, you know, you have to believe again that if they get into that situation in the postseason, they find a way to respond because, you know, in those losses, they just there was no answer. They just couldn't do it. So maybe there's like a renewed sense of, all right, guys, we're going to have a jump around session or whatever, just to get the juice back flowing in the postseason if it happens and then go from there. But, you know, this team is what it is and hopefully they can add some pieces in the off season, but fans just got to trust the process and trust Matt LaFleur. Do you think that they have enough to come back in a tight game against a good team deep into the postseason, Scott? Yeah, I think they have enough to come back. I, I think that they, they have enough weapons, but again, it just goes to what I said before of, if you need that long breakaway play, MVS can do it. He 100% able to do it. We have seen him do it before. I think he's a he's a great guy. I think if you're being honest with yourself, are you a little bit more comfortable with one of those rookies who you've seen flash breakaway speed this year than you are with MVS? And and that's where I think the biggest question is in terms of a you need that flash big. Uh, quick play where you, you turn the game around with one 75-yard touchdown pass. That being said, can they do it with MBS? Absolutely. Can they do it with Lazard? Can they do it with uh, Devontae Adams? Can they do it with Aaron Jones? Of course they can. So I, I think this offense is way too good right now to be counted out at any point, uh, even if they are down late in the playoffs. But, yeah, I, I do think that that was a rare missed opportunity to improve the team. Lily, do you think this team's Achilles' heels not so much the inability to stop the run, but at this point in time, special teams with what we've seen over the last three, four weeks? Yeah, I mean that certainly hasn't helped, huh? It's uh, they haven't really gotten any explosive returns, and then on the other end, they're giving up touchdowns, and that's not what you want to see. And I know J.K. Scott needs to probably work on his tackling, which again, you don't want your punter to be tackling. That's not a winning formula on special teams. But it is concerning because it's, you know, since I've been here for a long time, it's when has there been a good special teams unit? Um, that's been the problem because you don't want in the in the postseason to be getting either no returns or you're, catch, you're fair catching at the five-yard line and then, you know, the offense has to drive 95 yards down the field. I mean, it certainly hasn't been great, um, and that's not going to be good <laughs> down the stretch. But, again, like, you know, maybe Tavon Austin is that spark. Maybe he can be the guy to turn things around because, like we saw – Late last year with Tyler Irvin, he came in and really gave a spark to the special team. So maybe it is a guy like Tavon that can turn this thing around. But, you know, in terms of uh, tackling and coverage, it's got to be a lot better because, again, they'll be they'll be facing some explosive returners in the postseason. And the last thing you want to see is a third touchdown given up because I think 
There's been four touchdowns that have been given up this year. I think they've two. Uh, Scott Grodsky, the the kicker J.K. Scott. I, I know there was a question posed to him about, hey, do you do you know how to tackle? Uh, I don't expect kickers to be able to tackle like we see, you know, linebackers running down the field on special teams. But I, at least launch yourself at somebody, right? Yeah, I'd like to see him make a more of an earnest effort at it. But it's like Willie said, if you're at the point where J.K. Scott's got to make a tackle at the twenty yard line, you've right? already screwed up beyond the point of. No return. Um, that, I, I don't know, fire Ron Zook again. I, I'm not really sure what the answer is on special teams, uh, whether you go 15 years ago if every kick goes out of bounds or close to it. they That's certainly something that needs to be addressed. I don't think it's the Achilles heel. Bill, going to your, your question to Lily, I think that while it's a big problem, the way that the Packers have proven they can lose is still the run defense. Um, but it, it's... It's certainly something that has been a problem for a long time in Green Bay, and I, I wish there was an easy answer to it. They've tried switching out a bunch of different gunners on the punt return team. I, I don't know what the solution is, uh, but it is something that you saw in that Eagles game. The Eagles were not in that game. That was not a nope. close game. It was not something that felt like there was any chance of things going the other way until that huge momentum-shifting play and in the playoffs, do I think that's what's going to cost them a game? No, but sure could. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll come back. A couple of issues that the Lions are having that could bode well for the Green Bay Packers coming into the contest coming up on Sunday. Lily's out from Fox 6. Scott Grodsky, CBS 58. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. We have got more right after this. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I think all you got to do is look at the tape. You're going to see guys that are battling and flying around. And, you know, this is the National Football League. There's plenty of examples each and every week of the quote-unquote team that's favored not getting it done. So, like, it doesn't matter. You better bring your A game each and every week. You know, we're going to have to play our best game, as far as I'm concerned, to give ourselves a chance to win. This is a good football team. Matt LaFleur talking about the matchup with the Lions coming up this weekend over at Ford Field. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. BudLight.com is the website. Check it all out there. Lily's out from Fox 6. Scott Grodsky, CBS 58. The Detroit Lions, a, a we talk about tackling all the time in the National Football League, specifically with the Green Bay Packers. But uh, it, it's, it's going to be a mix of things. The Lions are currently the fifth worst tackling team in the NFL with 127 missed tackles on the year, including 17 against the Bears last week. And they're also missing their def- best defensive lineman in Trey Flowers and Danny Shelton. As much as I want to believe Aaron Rodgers is going to have some kind of a massive field day, it, it might be more of an Aaron Jones day coming up this uh, this Sunday over at Ford Field. So, Lily, I'll start with you. With them missing their guys up front, being a poor tackling team, now they still miss tackles and such against the Chicago Bears, as I just stated. Uh, are we looking at an Aaron Jones, another 100-yard gain day out of Aaron Jones on this team? You sure hope so. I mean, Aaron Jones apparently loves ripping off those long 75-plus touchdown runs, right? So you're going to hope he has another one against the Lions here, but Again, it's, yeah, looking up front, Danny Shelton, Trey Flowers, not there. It's, you know, if the offensive line who's been playing so well, they can just open up some holes. It's hard to imagine Aaron Jones not having a big day on the ground. But then you look at their cornerbacks as well. I mean, Desmond Trufant on IR, then 
Jeff Okuda hasn't been practicing, so you have to maybe imagine Devontae Adams licking his chops as well, so maybe it's a balanced attack, air and ground there for the Packers. But back to your point, though, I mean, Aaron Jones, they have the advantage in the trenches. They have the advantage there, I, I do believe, with Aaron Jones. They have to run the football because they want to get this ground game going. They were talking before the Eagles game. They wanted to get that ground game going again. That happened against the Eagles. And they want to continue that trend down the road, especially because we're in and we're playing December football. So, again, with the injuries to the Lions, you have to believe this is a big day for Aaron Jones. But also in the secondary, it uh, could be another big day in the air as well. So do you think with this tackling team being this poor regarding the Detroit Lions missing the guys up front, Scott, uh, I'm not going to say it changes the game plan, but to me it makes it more likely we're going to see, a, if anything, a more balanced attack out of the Green Bay Packers. Would you say correct? Yeah, I think it opens it up to where they can they can really do whatever they want. But frankly, they were able to do whatever they want week two, putting up 42 points on the, on the scoreboard anyway. So I, I think that this is a fun game for LaFleur to, to game plan for, to where they can really test some things out see what kind of a game they can have if they go run heavy first. Maybe put some things on tape that you're hoping your playoff opponents are looking at and you can run uh, flips off of that later on in the year. But at the same time, it, it is still an NFL team, as Matt LaFleur is always fond to say, and you can't get too cute with it. They're, they're going to go with ultimately what's going to give them the best shot at it right now. I uh, I thought it was an interesting conversation uh, the other day. I was watching again uh, one of the uh, one of the football shows. I don't know if it was on the uh, the four letter network or if it was on the, the NFL network, but they were talking about kind of the chicken and egg theory. Is it giving Aaron Rodgers a breath of fresh air? And Scott, I'll come back to you. A breath of fresh air when it comes to the play calling, the innovativeness. Uh, the the relationship with his coach that has kind of revived him this season, or is it just the fact that he worked out harder this offseason and it's more Aaron Rodgers and not so much the play calling? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that the play calling clearly got stale under Mike McCarthy by the end of it, and Rodgers was clearly ready for a change. I think that everything Rodgers said about taking time, watching tape from his MVP season, and, and seeing what he got away from and getting back to it is true. A lot of times when you hear players talk about, you know, spring training is the, the best example of this for baseball, you will not find a single player on the Brewers roster in spring training who does not tell you, I'm in the best shape of my life. Players just say that sort of thing. The same kind of coach speak becomes player speak. And that's what I think a lot of people, including me, maybe thought the Rogers talk was when he was talking about going back to, to game tapes from eight, ten years ago it turned out to maybe not just be players speak. And I do think the Jordan Love thing lit a little bit of a fire. Uh, but I also think that it wouldn't be the same resurgence without the Matt LaFleur injection in there as well, because there, there's no way around it. The Packers offense that we saw two years ago, three years ago, four years ago was very stale and everyone's foot. Lily, I, I think, too, the Jordan Love thing had something to do with maybe a, a refocus or what have you. But it, it's not something that you can quantify. I think when they picked Jordan Love, we just all thought to ourselves, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to go out and have a terrific season, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what everyone was saying, that, oh, you know, he's got to prove he's got this chip on his shoulder. You know, he's got to prove that he's the number one guy in Green Bay, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, you know, I, I do believe that. Yeah, he did kind of take it as a little bit of a slight because, like, we all were imagining that they were going to go for a wide receiver in the first round. But I, I think it's a lot more than that. I think it's just because of the offseason he had getting his mind right, um, you know, simplifying things on the offense. And then just the scheme that they have. It's just he's at peace with himself. 
Um, he's doing things this offseason where, you know, he's got his mind right, and that's what you want in a quarterback. He's enjoying playing football, which has been fun to watch. You know, he's laughing, I feel like, in every camera shot. Um, and he's just just playing football, and that's what he loves to do. But it's just – it's been a fun resurgence to see. But, you know, I don't think it's all on, oh, the Packers picked Jordan Love. That's why Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level. I think the season was always coming, and it obviously helps that – you know, like Scott alluded to that, you know, Matt LaFleur has such a good scheme and they're willing to work together. There's a, there's a great relationship there between quarterback and head coach, and we're seeing it flourish on the field. Scott, I'm going to ask you, are, are you, just in the back of your mind, hoping that we get a chance to see any kind of a dose of Anthony Rush? 354 pounds of just beef, a guy that can make a, a Metro bus down the city street, pop a wheelie if he sits in the back of it? I Not until you phrase it like that. You phrase it that way, I'm in. <laughs> um, Me too. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm in for that for sure, especially we're talking second half, Packers are up by uh, three touchdowns. Sure, why not? But uh, otherwise, no, I, 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 don't, I don't need to see Anthony Rush. I don't really need to see anything other than what I've seen at 9-3 and three right now from, from Green Bay. Lily, I've always looked for big guys, fat guys, road graders. I, I got to tell you, in the back of my mind, I'm going, man, I want to see some Anthony Rush. I want to see Anthony Rush and uh, Kenny Clark side by side. Try to double team one of them because Anthony just fall over on you and kill you. Maybe you can play your little uh, Rush show open with it too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just Dropping imagine a, though, like yeah, an go Anthony ahead. Rush six. Right. I, w- I just want him to get yeah. in and get a couple of plays, and I want to see, like, something hanging out and, you know, just, just beef. And I go back to, like, when Howard Green and, and C.J. Wilson were there and you had B.J. Raji and Cullen Jenkins. They had some – they I mean, they were good players, don't get me wrong, but they just all kind of came together. It was just beef up front, and Dom Capers had that rotation that he could use. And just it was – all I could picture in my head was just if I closed my eyes, I could hear John Madden going, they're running one other fat guy out there after another fat guy. That's a good fat guy right there. So I, I want to see that, man. Uh, let's do this. We'll break a little bit early, but we're going to come back because we're going to start to roll through the rest of the National Football League. We'll talk more about the NFC. We'll talk about the playoff picture, best teams in the NFC at this point, and we'll start to make our picks as well. And Bill Michael Suttle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Lily Fo- or Lily's out from Fox 6 joining us uh, on tonight's panel. Scott Grodsky, CBS 58 as well. You've got an early score in the Rams and the Patriots game. We'll tell you about that when we come back. Hang in there. We've got more of the Bill Michael Suttle coming up next. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I feel like anytime, anytime you uh, go upstairs, man, and go knock on a coach's door in his office, man, uh, I think, yeah, it, it changed a lot. So uh, we're just glad, man, that that coach listened to his players, man. Like I told you when I first got here, man, coaches really care about their players. And uh, when something's not working and we see it on the field, man, just the communication uh, with them to uh, help us change it, man. As you can see, man, we're getting a lot of more turnovers and a lot of more sacks. Lanamo. I remember Bubba Lang, or uh, Clubber Lang saying that in the uh, Rocky movie. Got a lot of mo. Lot of mo. Lot of mo. Hey, um, that was at Area Smith, by the way, uh, talking about going up to Mike Pettin's office 
and saying, hey, we want to change some things up. Him, Preston Smith, uh, Kenny Clark all had a chance to talk to the defensive coordinator. This portion of the program is brought to you by our good friends over there at Bud Light Seltzer, the Bill Michaels Huddle. I'm Bill Michaels. Lily's out from Fox 6. Scott Grodsky, CBS 58, alongside. Time now to take a look around the rest of the National Football League and make some picks. you got a game in progress. Patriots with the football right now. Cam Newton under center. Uh, you got the Rams getting off on their opening drive uh, straight down the field, and they plunge it in for seven, and uh, the Rams are at home. You've got uh, now the Patriots punting as uh, they failed to uh, convert on third down in their first drive. So, Lily, I'll go over to you first. Uh, who you got in this one, even though the Rams are up early? Uh, well, I got the team that's up early. That's the Rams. I just think that this defense is going to shut down uh, the Patriots, but Bill Belichick will keep it close, but the Rams still get the victory. Scott? Well, they've already scored more touchdowns than that Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, I think I would take the Rams in the rematch of that, too. Yeah, it's interesting because Bill Belichick has a way, just like I thought last week with Justin Herbert, I, I thought he would figure a way, way out to shut him down, and, and darn if he didn't, 45 to nothing, they ended up winning that ball game. Uh, I just think that this Rams defense is way too tough, and they're going to give Cam Newton fits all night long, which they already started to with getting paws in his face and you know balls that are just a little bit off the mark. So I'm going to take the Rams in this one. Without a doubt. You got the Carolina Panthers at four and eight. You got a matchup of four and eight teams. The Denver Broncos on the road. Both of these teams sitting at four and eight on the season. I like Carolina because I think they've got something. They're just not there yet. They haven't they haven't been able to put it all together. Coaching changes, personnel changes, new quarterback, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I like the the Carolina Panthers at home. Scott, I'll go back to you on this one. I don't know why I always like Denver more than I should. It, it's been like 15, 20 years now where I, I picked Denver and conference schools <laughs> when there's no reason to pick Denver. And there's really no reason to pick them now. Christian McCaffrey's not going to play for the Panthers, it sounds like, so that's an edge a little bit. But I, I'm not, I agree with everything you said. I think that the Panthers are sort of an up-and-coming team. They do have something actually going, whereas the Broncos are a team that probably needs to go back to the quarterback drawing board because Drew Locke is not the answer. But I'm still going to take Denver. Lily? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with Scott on this one. I'm just like, I don't know why I keep picking Denver, but I'm going to. I know both teams are just hit by COVID, which is not fun to see. But, you know, I, I think I was encouraged by what I saw from the Broncos playing the Chiefs last week, even though they lost. But I was encouraged by that loss, if that's a thing. Um, so, yeah, I think the Broncos come out of this in a close game. Then you got the next one on the docket. Now, the Bears started off so hot, so fast. They have now lost five straight. They Offensively, they're inept. And what we saw against the Bears uh, from the Green Bay Packers a couple of weeks ago when the Packers got up, it was almost like the Bears' defense just looked at the offense and went, what are we doing? Why, why are we even competing? Because you guys can't do anything, and you stink. They are hosting uh, down at Soldier Field the 4-8 and eight Houston Texans. I really like Deshaun Watson and what they're doing, and I – if that de- now they're still in the hunt, they still have something going as far as being able to you know qualify for the playoffs. But I I just look at the Bears and I'm thinking that's in a free fall. I think it's going to be the fifth win of the season for the Texans. The Bears are going to go to five and eight on the season. And Lily, I'll go back to you. Give me your thoughts. I totally agree. I I think you know with Deshaun Watson, they're going to be able to score more points than the Chicago Bears offense, which is a sure thing. And I'm kind of wondering, like, the over-under of how many times we have to hear the Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Mitchell Trubisky storyline. Um, that's going to be fun to hear again, but uh, I, I do pick the the Houston or Texans winning. Scott? Yeah, it's one of those storylines we hear it all the time, but really never gets old. Just doesn't. <laughs> it's a wonderful storyline. Uh, I, I think the Bears are going to win. I think that it's a, a team that fired their coach against a team that if they don't win a couple of games down the stretch, will fire their coach. 
I, I think that the Bears are not as bad as the last month and a half would make you believe, whereas the Texans are every bit as bad as this season is. So I, it, it's two bad teams, but I'll take Chicago. Then uh, you've got the team that was just for the first time ever flexed out of a night game, a Sunday night or a primetime game. Hard to believe the Dallas Cowboys uh, nowhere near as interesting as what you would hope they would have been with Mike McCarthy. Uh, they are in somewhat of a free fall. The Cowboys sitting at 3-9. and nine. They face in Cincinnati the lowly Bengals who stink on ice. Uh, this is uh, – boy, if this was uh, – if this was played anywhere near Kohler, we would just flush it down because it's just that bad of a game. Cowboys on the road, Bengals at home. I'm still going to take the Cowboys to get a win. It's Andy Dalton's return to the jungle. So I'm going to take Andy Dalton in a revenge game against his old team to get the win against Joe Burrow. And I, as much as I like Joe Burrow, that team and that whole organization just flat out sucks. So I'm going to take the Cowboys to get the win. Scott, back to you. I, they can't be that bad. The Cowboys cannot be that bad to lose to the Bengals. Brandon Allen and this is—I don't know. I've been saying they can't be that bad the entire year for the Cowboys because they were my pick to win the NFC East along with you know ninety percent of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's, there's no way. There's, there's no way they're losing to Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Dallas, and it'll be really funny when Cincinnati beats them. Lily. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you guys on the Cowboys pick. I think as demoralizing of a season as this is for Dallas, it can't get worse, and it only gets worse if you lose to Cincinnati. So I'm going with Mike McCarthy. Somewhat of another easy one as you've got a matchup of AFC teams. The uh, Tennessee Titans looking for their ninth win of the season go on the road against the Jacksonville team that every year we talk about their defense getting better and their quarterback play and the weapons they have, and then they just completely craptastically disappoint to the Jaguars at home 1-11. Uh, this is a runaway. The Titans on the road. Derrick Henry has an amazing game, and uh, Tannehill basically doesn't get touched. Uh, I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans. Lily? Yes, I totally agree. It's I, I was tweeting out. I was like, the Titans confuse me because I'm like, they're really good and they're really bad. I'm like, who are you? Like, what's your identity? Uh-huh. Um, and I think their identity this week is Derek Carr run, or Derek Henry running all over the Jags defense, and that's how they're going to get the victory. So, uh, Titans, it is. Scott. Yeah, I, I, with Lily, I, I don't know what the Titans are. I don't know if they're a scary team in the playoffs. I, I don't know if they're a lose in the first round of the playoffs by twenty. But I do know they're better than the Jaguars and Tennessee. Uh, then you got the Kansas City Chiefs, eleven and one yeah. against the eight and four yeah. Miami Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Something in my gut tells me if I had ten bucks or twenty bucks to throw in this game, I might do it on the Dolphins. But I, I'm with you. I, I look. I, you I got think 10 the Chiefs bucks, are 10, twenty bucks. I'm here with you. Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just just to say, you know, for blanks and giggles to see what happens. But the Chiefs, uh, I think, walk away with this one. Uh, Dolphins will go to eight and five. Chiefs get their twelfth win of the season. I've already got Scott's pick, Lily. Blanks and giggles, huh? That I'm going to steal Blank, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's the. Chiefs. I'm like, you know, they might the Dolphins might keep this thing close, but I mean, it's Mahomes. They're good. They're going to win this one. Got the Cardinals at 6-6 six and six, and a team that was really ascending for a while, and then they ran into a couple of buzzsaws. The Giants, in the meantime, have one of the better defensive performances going on over the last five games, and they have found themselves smack dab in the middle of an actual race to get to themselves, uh, get themselves to the top of the NFC East and possibly a playoff spot. Uh, the Cardinals going on the road. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the 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 New York Giants. I can't believe I'm saying that because, but I just love that defense, and they are swarming. They're feeling it right now. They're playing with a lot of emotion. The Cardinals reeling a little bit, and and Kyler Murray, as much as I love him and the uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 
I just don't know if they're going to get past this New York Giants. New York doesn't have an offense, but I just don't know if they're going to get past that defense and do enough. So I'm going to take the Giants in a bit of an upset at home. Lily, back to you. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think the Giants win four in a row. The Cards will lose three in a row, which is, you know, crazy to say about a month ago that this kind of would have been our picks, right? Uh, But I do Mm -hmm. think that the Giants are turning up behind that defense. They're playing great, and uh, New York's coming out on top. Scott? Well, the NFC East finally has some momentum, or as much as you can for a division like that. But I, I'm just I, one game, two games isn't enough to to make me think that the Giants are a real team. The Cardinals probably aren't a playoff team; they're not a good team, but they're a mediocre team. And I, I think Arizona will will win this. And I, I think, spoiler alert for later, I don't think Washington is going to continue to play the way that they have for the past week or so either. And their defense has played extremely wise of late also, so uh, spoiler alert there, yeah. Uh, Then uh, before we take a break, we got another one on the docket. That is the 6-6 Minnesota Vikings going on the road to take on the 7-5 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't figure out the Buccaneers because that defense against the Packers that we saw was just tenacious. And all of a sudden, it's like they forgot how to tackle. It's like they can't rush the quarterback. Quarterbacks are getting rid of the football. And Kirk Cousins has actually had three good games in a row. Dalvin Cook has obviously been a big supporter of that. This is going to be interesting to see what they do in the trenches, that defense of Tampa Bay against that offensive line of the Minnesota Vikings. That's where this game is going to be won and if I had to choose one or the other I'd take Tampa Bay but for some reason in the back of my head I'm thinking the Vikings are climbing right now and they are efforting towards the postseason and I don't want to see uh, the Vikings have to come into Lambeau Field for that wild card weekend so to speak for that first game against Green Bay but I'm going to take the Buccaneers in this one Scott back to you yeah I want no part of the Vikings right now I, I speaking strictly from the Packers perspective I, I'm hoping it's Tampa uh, Tampa is going to make the playoffs regardless you would think Minnesota is not a team that you want to see. Um, I, I don't know. Minnesota is really hot right now. Uh, I, I guess I'll take them. I think this is one of the better games, if not the best game of the weekend. Um, and it really could go either way. Uh, but I, I think I'll go Minnesota. Lily? You know, Bill, I'm going to agree with you here. I, I think Packers fans are going to be happy that if the Vikings lose, though, because if the Packers win, they get the NFC North crown, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going to go – the Bucks there. I, I just think that, you know, Tom Brady has really struggled against really good defenses. And I know the Vikings have had a good defense. I just don't think they're as elite as they are this year. So I think Tom Brady's going to squeak one out against the Vikings and uh, keep Packers fans happy. There you go. That's the uh, first eight games. We've got eight more yet to go. Stay tuned. The Bill Michael Settle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Coming up here uh, in just a few after this, we'll get back into all the rest of the games in the afternoon, including the Green Bay Packers and the Sunday night and Monday night contests, which are both really, really good as well. So we'll get into that when we come back. Lily's out from Fox 6. Scott Grotsky, CBS 58, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer and Questionably Good. The Bill Michael Settle continues after this. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I think it's a comfort for everybody in the offense, simplicity, even. And then, you know, guys making steps, growing up and uh, taking that next step into their development. And Ryan, I've talked about this and I'll continue to. I really feel like that we did make some things a little simpler this year and everybody's in their second year at the same time. So it becomes more simple. Those are the words of Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back to the program. The Bill Michaels Show continues on, or I should say the Bill Michaels Huddle, which is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Lily's out from Fox 6, Scott Grodsky, CBS 58. 
alongside tonight as we continue in this final segment of the program to make the picks as uh, the games continue on. Sunday, December 13th, it is a 3.05 start, a good one. You've got the Colts at 8-4, and four, the Raiders at 7-5 and five in Vegas. I like the way the Raiders are playing. I, I just I think I like the defense a little bit more of the Colts. I know it's a road game. Phillip Rivers, not the best when it comes to being away from home, but uh, I'm still going to take the Colts in this one. And, Scott, over to you. I think the Raiders have been a little Jekyll and Hyde for my liking. Uh, I like the Colts. I like the way Jonathan Taylor looked last week, but Jonathan Taylor, it's been such a weird year to watch him uh, look really good, then get the ball stripped from him, then take a back seat to Wilkins and Hines. They're still trying to figure out what they want to do there, but I think the Colts are – I think they win this game, and I think that they're one of those dangerous teams in the AFC where they're not going to the Super Bowl. They're not ready yet. They're a few years away, and – a quarterback away, frankly. Um, But they're a dangerous team that can win a playoff game for sure. Lily? Yeah, I do. You know, the Raiders were, what, 30 seconds away from losing to the Jets? So Mm -hmm. they're very Jekyll and Hyde to me. So I'm going to go with the Colts. I think their defense is going to be very stingy. I know they've been kind of up and down as well. But, you know, I think overall this Colts defense is going to be a little bit too tough for the Raiders. Uh, Indy is going to win this one. Then you got the Jets. They are on the road. They are an 0-12 team, efforting towards 0-16. And if the Seahawks win this contest and the Packers get a win, the Packers are automatically in the postseason. Seahawks sitting at 8-4. and And you talk about a team that's been a little bit up and down. Seahawks, as of late, have really not been overwhelmingly impressive. Uh, they're only 2-3 and three in their last five, excuse me, five games. Their net points have dropped significantly, only uh, 32 on the positive side. As much as I think that they're right now not peaking at the end of the season, I don't think there's any way in hell they're going to lose this game to the New York Jets. So I'm going to take the Seahawks at home. The Packers are, I'm going to give you the Packers pick because the Packers, I think, are going to get a win and they're going to automatically be in the postseason. Lily, back to you. Uh, Agree on all fronts there. I feel like Bill's like on the same wavelength today, huh? <laughs> uh, totally agree there. I just, I just don't see this channel team losing to New York. I just don't see it at all. If it does, throw it all in the trash. Uh, just, I, I just feel like New York is just trending towards a winless season, which really stinks for that organization and those fans. But I just, I've, I see no way that Russell Wilson loses to this Jets team. Scott. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it'd be hard for me to even pick against uh, Seattle with the spread, and I'm assuming the spread is, is significant double digits. I, there, there's no way. And then you've got the Falcons at 4-8, and eight, taking on the Chargers, who are 3-9. and nine. The Falcons going out to the West Coast. I like Justin Herbert and what he's been able to do. He just doesn't have a defense that can back him up. And I'm not thinking that the uh, Falcons are a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination, but it's so tough for me to pick the Chargers sitting at 3-9 and nine because that defense just figures out ways to lose. But I will go with the mild upset, the Chargers at home in this one over the Falcons and over the veteran quarterback, Matt Ryan. Uh, Scott, back to you. Ah, Everything you just said screamed towards Falcons. I was excited to actually be different from you. No, I, I think the Chargers went too. I think that the Chargers got embarrassed uh, badly last week. And I think that it's a young team that is going to be in the right mindset to, to bounce back and respond from that. They've heard all the Anthony Lynn um, firing rumors and hot seat rumors. This is a good way to bounce back. This is a good way to get a win against a, a similar level team that you can carry into the next year with Justin Herbert, who I mean, I, I certainly think if you take one thing away from the Chargers this season, it's that they do have a quarterback in the future. Mm-hmm. No doubt, Lily. Well, guys, I'm actually going to go against you guys this week. I, I think the Falcons actually oh. eat this one out, though. I know, I know. I, I just feel like the Falcons, you know, they're not a great team, but they're playing better defense. 
which is helpful, right? So I don't know. I just kind of see this as like a little bit of a little, I just think the Falcons eke one out against the Chargers. And I want Justin Herbert to do well. I just think he's going to be a phenomenal quarterback in the future. I just don't see it on Sunday against the Falcons. Saints on the road, 10-2. and two. Eagles at home, 3-8-1. and one. They're reeling. I don't even think it's a contest. I think the Saints win uh, pretty much going away. The only way they don't is if somehow weather plays into this and, and they start turning the ball over. But I'm going to take the Saints. Lily? Uh, yes. <laughs> there you go. Scott? Yeah, I think the Saints win for sure. I think it's going to be an interesting game to watch, though, assuming it's going to be Taysom Hill against Jalen Hurts. And I think that that makes this game worth watching, even if it doesn't end up being close. I would love to see what Hurts does down the stretch for uh, for the Eagles. Obviously, he looked a lot better than Wentz did against the Packers, but he had the benefit of having the Packers not game plan for him. So I think as the Eagles try to figure out what their next move is and what the direction of their franchise is, these are three or four really big games, not only for them, but for some of the QB needy teams across the league who are going to be trying to trade for Wentz because there's no way that the – the Eagles are going to be able to just eat that salary for the three years I think that they have left. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's going to be a move made somewhere if Hertz looks good enough to to take the job full time. The 49ers at one point were four and three, and since then uh, they have just been playing losing football, and they are one and four in their last five. The uh, Washington football team, on the other hand, has won uh, you know three out of their last five. Their defense is playing well. They're two five and seven teams going at it. The team that is peaking in what is Washington. They're also really rallying around their head coach. I'm going to take Washington, even though you go East Coast to West Coast, you never win those games. I'm going to take Washington against the odds to get the victory over the 49ers here. And uh, Scott, I'll go back to you. Well, those are two teams that could be in the Carson Wentz running, although I doubt they'd trade him within division. Uh, I think that San Francisco is a better all-around team. I still don't trust, like I said uh, before the last break, I don't trust the NFC East yet. I'm not ready to pick the Giants or Washington. And I'll take San Francisco, but it's uh, neither one of these teams are really anything that I'd be worried about in the uh, playoff picture. Lily? You know what? I know I feel that that win for the Washington football team over the the Steelers was very emotional. Um, I just think they're riding that emotional high, but they all, that all comes crashing down against the San Francisco 49ers. I just think like Scott's got the, like Scott said, they're just a better overall team. I just think that offense is going to be a little bit too potent for this Washington defense. So I'm going Niners. Good Steelers team going up against the good Bills team, but the Steelers got beat by a bad Washington team. I'm going to say the Steelers extract some revenge up in Buffalo. They don't worry about the weather at all, playing in the Steel City. Steelers get the win in this one to get their 12th win of the season. Lily? Yeah, I agree there. I mean, I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch, though, because it's two teams where you're like, oh, they're two really good teams, and I do think that the Steelers are going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder following a loss, so I think that they come out on top on the road. Scott? I think it's a really good test for the Bills. I think that all year we haven't totally known what box to put the Bills in. You you read your MVP candidates. Josh Allen was number three. Are they really this good? Are they in a bad division and in a bad conference? I think we find out a lot of the answer uh, during this game, I, I think we see if they're contenders to lose to the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think anyone has beaten the Chiefs out of the AFC, uh, and, and I, I think that they, I think they got a shot. I think that the Steelers were a little bit, I don't want to say overrated because it's not like anyone was talking about them at 11-0 as a realistic team to go 19-0. No one thought they would do that, but I, I don't think that the Steelers are as good as their record indicates, and I, I think the Bills can win this game. 
Got about a minute and a half left here real quick. The Ravens on the road taking on the Browns. Browns looking for their 10th win of the season, playing at home. Not a believer yet in the Browns, but something in my gut's telling me to take them. I'm going to take uh, Baker Mayfield in this one, Scott. I know. And until, until the Browns either move or actually have a real playoff run, they're not going to beat the Ravens or the Steelers in a time when it matters. Ravens. Lily? Uh, going with the Ravens, it won't be a 38-6 blowout like in week one, but they'll still win this one. And we still all pick the Green Bay Packers to get a win this weekend, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, any predictions score-wise? Because I'm going to say 35-17 Packers get a win. Lily? Ooh, 45, 45, 41-17. Scott? Uh, killing me. I was going to do 34-17 and have to double up thing again, but that's way too close. Perfect. To you know, so, Perfect. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Packers are going to get the win. We pretty much guarantee it. There you go. Lily Zhao from Fox 6, Scott Grosky, CBS 58. I'm Bill Michaels. Thanks, gang. Appreciate it. Time for us to go. That was the Bill Michaels Huddle. Have a go. And see Wisconsin wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.